What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. This is Real Reality Realness with Brian K. James, the podcast where I, your host, Brian, interview figures in music, reality TV, and pop culture about their lives, their perspectives, and their platforms. Join me five days a week as I get to know some of my favorite people through their points of view and their journeys to their personal greatness. Lock in while I clock in, because we are about to get into it. Alrighty, welcome and welcome back to the show. This is Real Reality Realness. I am Brian K. James, and I put the mess in the message. I am so excited to have this person on the show today. They're a recording artist, and I cannot wait to get to know them better. Ladies, gentlemen, and every gender or lack thereof in between, join me in welcoming to the show, Don YC. How are you feeling? I'm doing great, and thanks for having me. I really appreciate you bringing me on the show. Of course, anytime, anytime. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you taking my call. Absolutely. So, what are you most looking forward to from this year so far? This year so far, uh, it's going to be a tough year, no doubt. Uh, being an independent artist, uh, you got to put a lot of money into your craft, thousands and thousands of dollars. Uh, number one, I'm looking to drop an album in the summer, uh, late June. Uh, in between that time, I'm going to drop singles, um, get the fans what they need. Basically, what I'm doing is I'm just trying to grow my my fan base organically. I'm not looking for any fake streams, any bots. I'm trying to connect with real people just like yourself. And that's why I'm, I'm happy and I'm lucky you brought me on because I needed this, you know, for my brand to, to reach out to those fans that didn't know I exist. You know, I'm from Oklahoma, a small town named Spencer. And uh, I'm just looking to do a lot of things this year. Uh, mostly music, music videos. I'm writing a book, all that stuff. Very nice, congratulations. Thanks. Of course. What do you think you're most looking forward to leaving behind in 2022? Um, I wanna leave a print. I wanna leave a print to say he's independent, he's smart, he's brilliant. And uh, he did it without any big label. He did it without any big help from any big artist, any big feature. You know, I just want to get it, I want to get it on my own for right now. Uh, I want people to understand that I put a lot of dedication and hard work into my craft. And it's not about money. It's not about fame with me. It's about the love of music. I want people to understand when they listen to my music, it's about the, the, the craft and the love the structure of a song. It's not all about bang, bang, shoot them up, kill them. You know, I'm talking about love. I'm talking about relationships. I'm talking about my upbringings. I'm talking about my life. I want people to know me after 2023. That's what I'm looking to leave behind. Very nice. When did you discover music? I discovered music probably about the third grade. You know, there was a lot of stuff going on around me. 
you know, cousins selling drugs, brothers selling drugs, going to prison. Uh, you know, mom's working two jobs. Pop was in prison. You know, I got a twin brother. You know, my mom's was a single mom. So being at home all the time by ourselves, having to walk home from the bus stop by ourselves, you know, I was introduced to poetry. I started doing poetry in the third grade. Uh, about the middle of that year, going into my fourth grade year, and it's crazy I remember this, this is elementary. I started writing rhymes. And I, I mean, to tell you the truth, I wasn't good at it, but I love music. And the thing that got me over the top, it was like, it was two things that got me over the top. That was a movie called Hustle and Flow with Terrence Howard and Get Rich to Die Trying by 50 Cent. That just looking at the upbringings and how they was recording music and what they were doing and what I was doing by the time I got to about the fifth to sixth grade, I realized this is what I wanted to do. So they motivated me. Those movies motivated me to say, here's a messed up background, but you can make it in this music industry. And it just pushed me. That's that's what motivated me, honestly. That's awesome. Do you remember what your first 16 bars were about? <laughs> uh, as a young as a young kid, it's probably about sex. <laughs> probably about trying to, you know, impress a girl. It wasn't necessarily about sex, but it was probably more of on some like some horny shit, you know, like on some trying to impress a female. You look cute, you got a big butt stuff like that but that probably came around maybe about seventh grade that i can remember anything before like the seventh to eighth grade um it's just little rhymes but like my first true 16 was like about a female you know it's always over a female at the end of the day right of course i love that can you describe the moment that you knew that you were talented um okay so first thing I'm gonna tell you about the moment when I knew I wasn't the most talented in the room. Um, I think it was about ninth grade year. I was starting out high school at Spencer uh, High School. Uh, I had a group with me. We had Young Dash, King Dro. We had a dude named Dallas. You know, he from Dallas, but he was in Oklahoma, so we call him Dallas. And we all had this little group and we all used to rap. We used to record on the computer. I think we was using a software called Audacity. And when I tell you, I was, I won't say I was the wackest, but I had the weakest bars. And everybody used to kind of, when they when they was writing their lyrics, they used to kind of like look at me like, hey man, you better bring it. You better bring it. Cause you know, I wasn't really as good as I thought I was, but surrounding myself around really talented artists like King Drove, which is a lyricist. It pushed me and helped me become the artist that I am now. And years later, like my senior year, I was better than all those artists, no disrespect. Um, I was better than all those artists and they realized that and, uh, those artists is no longer rapping anymore. And uh, they still call me to this day and push me and say, keep doing your thing, man. You done grew a lot. So about my senior year, after I graduated high school, I started you know, going to the studio, doing stuff. And just, I started getting recognition around the city. I started doing shows and people started telling me like, hey man, you really got this. You should start doing it. So that's really when I knew that uh, I had something is when my peers around me that who didn't believe that I was really that good lyrically starting out at some point was like, hey, you officially have arrived. So it was about my senior year. Okay, nice. So 
until that point when you actually did become good at rapping, do you think that your dreams of wanting to do music were nurtured or did you have to be your own cheerleader to get yourself to that point? Well, yeah, in Oklahoma, you you, you got to be your own cheerleader because, you know, you name a big artist from Oklahoma. You know, so... Don Wafi. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So there has to be, appreciate that, but there has to be, there was no support system in the city. There's no real backing. There's no real music industry or atmosphere or culture. There's no real music culture. So you really have to stay on it. So we looked at places like Dallas, Louisiana with the little Boosie. We looked at the um, the little Flips. We looked at the uh, Mike Jones. You know, those are places that Oklahoma that we looked at and said, if they doing it and they only just two, three hours away, why can't we do it? You know, that's the kind of attitude that you gotta have. So no, I had to be my own cheerleader. I had to look at this industry and say, I gotta make it. I can't wait on anybody else to say, oh, you good now, I didn't already had that. So after I graduated, you know, in 2013, ever since then I had to do it on my own. And I'm gonna be honest with you, it wasn't easy, it was hard. But I'm gonna tell you this, since the internet has blown up, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, we got, uh, Apple campaigns, Spotify campaigns, YouTube ad advertisement. We got Facebook advertisement. I said, hell, well, shit, I got money. Won't I put my money behind my music? Because before all of that, before the Spotify, before all the, the streaming, it was kind of like word to mouth, more like CDs and more like you got to get discovered and get on this big radio station. But now radio stations are they, they are going away. You got the podcast like your podcast. Much respect to your podcast. We got all these podcasts and we got all these streaming services where if I just put some money to it, it generate organic streams, organic views, people coming over to see what you're about. So the internet really is what got me back into music and doing music really heavy. And we have a lot of artists who have moved out of Oklahoma to the Los Angeles, the Atlantas, the Houstons, so they can jumpstart their career. Whereas me, I'm in Oklahoma, I said, I don't need to move. I got bread, I can put my money behind the internet and let the rest do its, do its job because I have the talent. It's not about if you have talent. You can be the best rapper in the room, but if nobody is going to hear that song, hear that album, it's irrelevant. So I looked at it like, I need to get my music in front of as much people as I can to make it. So yeah, I, I'm my own cheerleader. 100%. And I definitely think you have one of the most um, optimistic and movement-minded type of progressions. I think that that's kind of what the people or the people of the next generation are going to need in order to make themselves hot because labels are taking pieces of everything and there's no such thing as a deal without a 360 anymore unless you're coming in with basically your own imprint and your own brand and your own hit record already like you gotta come in with so much leverage to to keep retention of your own work nowadays it makes more sense just to be your own label and be your and just build your own budget if you got it put it behind yourself it's very smart well, let me hit on that um the thing about that is with the new generation that's coming up, even my generation and the new generation, is we are starting to realize in the Uber era, do it yourself. You can be your own contractor. 
you can be your own record label. You can be your own movement. As long as you have the following, whether that's TikTok, whether that's Instagram, whether that's Facebook, you can create your own movement and create a great situation for yourself. Artists like Nipsey Hussle, rest in peace. Artists like Russ, artists like Sauce Walker, artists like um, the guy that died in Memphis. Uh, I can't remember his name, um, but rest in peace to him, Young Dolph. Yeah, Young Dolph, who had their movements, who were booking their own shows. With They had help, obviously, they got a team, but they really didn't need that big label per se. Everything is do it yourself now, everything. And that's what I want to do. Um, but I'll be naive to sit here and say that um, that a big label can't do nothing for you. Would I personally do a 360? It honestly depends on the upfront cast. But then you got to also look at, do I want to own my music? Or do I not want to own my music? Or do I want to give away these rights to this particular, you know, let's say four albums, you know, the startup did four albums. We want four albums. Okay, I'm gonna give you the rights to these four albums, but after this contract, I'm gonna go independent. Something like an NBA young boy, right? Which is a smart move. You take the uh, machine, you take the giant, and you build yourself up, and then you go independent. That's why you hear a lot of these, you know, these podcasters, you, you see like Joe Budden, you see a lot of these DJ academics. They say, man, if Drake ever go independent, he gonna hurt the system because if Drake was to ever go independent and all these other artists say, well, let me go independent, then what are the record labels for? Distribution? Well, we already got that through Spotify, Apple, uh, SoundCloud. Uh, you know, we already have the distribution. And now at that point, the, the artists will just be signing publishing deals with distributors. But you know, the record label, they, they gonna have a saying that. But I'm just saying as an artist, you gotta look at both sides. Do I wanna, do I wanna be independent? Or do I want to sign to the majors? Uh, mm -hmm. Do I want to start with the majors? And do I want to end up independent? Or do I want to be somewhere in the middle where I have a publishing deal? So that's that's all that is. And that's when you hit on that 360. I'm not really a fan of 360s, but 360s for the record label makes sense because mm -hmm. they're putting all this money into you. They're building your brand they're building your image. They're building your likeness. So if opportunities come um, with that, then they should see some benefit. Let, let me give you an example on why I believe that. You take someone like um, Blueface, mm -hmm. Christian Rock. But what is Blueface telling his manager, WAC 100, if you're keeping up? He basically saying, oh, I really don't want to rap no more. I'm really not into it like that no more. He's doing like TV shows with his girlfriend. And who's gonna hurt behind that? Um, his manager, the people that was in his music corner, that was in his music business. The record label who had signed him is going to hurt by him saying stuff like, oh, I really don't wanna rap no more. I'm gonna go do this stuff and do that. So now they done lost their um, investment because he don't wanna feel the obligation of the deal. So that's why 360s protect businesses. To me, I'm not really into the 360, but I understand it. And that's the example I give. I understand that for sure, because in these situations where we're in a atmosphere where people aren't aren't doing music for the love of music, they're they're doing music for the alleged quick bag of it all. Right. And 
it's not something that people like people don't get into rap today to be into it 20 30 years from now people don't get into rap to have legacies they get into rap to have chains a couple plaques if they even care that much about the album going platinum because they just care about the um coins that come from the streams they care about getting the shows. They care about setting up a new avenue for themselves to do something so they ain't got to work a nine to five, which is cool. No diss to none of y'all, but the problem is it ruins the, the the authenticity of the hip hop culture, but we'll get into that later. Um, But from a business perspective, it does make perfect sense because, well, if your music just ain't selling, but you have a cult fan base that's going to buy concert tickets and buy merch, or if you just have a good personality that works on reality TV, or if you have a popping YouTube channel. Right, they can capitalize on that, which is fair because people think that music really makes a lot of money as far as streams. I believe for like streams, it's like $4,500 for a million streams. But $4,500 to some of these artists that's living these these uh lifestyles 4500 is not a lot of money so they get their money through um uh publishing they get that pub money quarterly they get some uh, royalty money quarterly quarterly um they do performances and shows and appearances maybe have a book deal might have a merch deal but that's how the artists normally make their money and um these record labels man i don't know what they're gonna do but i know at some point they're gonna start getting aggressive because these artists are finding out ways to make money. Even with being on a deal, they're finding out how to make money through OnlyFans and stuff like that. You take like artists like uh, The Game, right? When uh, the pandemic hit, he started OnlyFans, was making money, you know? So how does the record label get that kind of money? You know, when you're talking directly to the fans and have a subscription base and it's subscription based, how does the record label get into that bag? I don't know. Maybe they get aggressive. Especially when you talk about these artists and these labels like Atlantic who go and sign people off of being viral, like a Bad Baby, for example, who, mm-hmm. when's the last time you heard a Bad Baby song? I heard one a while ago, and it was all right. I mean, I, no disrespect. No disrespect uh, to her, but to that point, she's making millions, plural, millions of dollars per month on OnlyFans. Getting that bag. <laughs> she's getting bags. Bags oh, yeah. on OnlyFans. I ain't heard a bad baby song in years. Yeah. But she is out here the biggest thing on OnlyFans, though. So Atlantic is probably real tight right now. Oh yeah, she's out here cashed out. She got a whole new face, whole new body. Ah ah ah. She's out here done. She ain't gotta make music no more. Probably not. But now, and what does that contract with Atlantic look like? We don't know. Depending on what the contract looks like. See things. The thing about that is, is you gotta look at a regulator's perspective. They probably looked at this girl like, uh, we can make some money off of her. Uh, we'll. Might get she might be on the 360. I don't know. Do you put somebody like it would be smart because I feel like they probably thought she's probably not gonna have a long, long career. So we'll sign her for you know whatever 
she's not gonna do much. So we'll we'll you know throw her in a seat 360. She'll probably never complete these four albums, but she'll be off doing shows, doing reality TV, doing this, doing that, doing brand deals off in here, popping, doing collaborations, fashion over, all the things that the girls be out here doing, flat tummy tea, all of that. So we can continue to eat off of her for either the continuation of this deal for the years that we sign her or for the completion of these albums, whichever one comes first. Either way, we're going to be getting something off of her. And they probably are doing the most minimal promotion with her. So so they probably don't have a high overhead with, with Bad Baby because she's not making no, like, she ain't making no music. So what is there for her to promote? <laughs> like, all she, they need to put behind her is her Instagram. Right. And her... She's not losing money. And that's the thing about these 360 deals. When someone blows up over here, let's say like a, a Ray J, One Wish, um, and then go with the uh, reality. That's a hell of an example. The, the reality shows start making money. They may see a percentage. I don't know if they see a percentage, but let's say that the record label did make a percentage off of Bad Barbie. Uh, what's her name? Bad Baddie? Bad, that's the one that it says, Bad Baby. Me outside, right? Catch me outside. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. we make a certain percentage off of that, and we call these people the cash cows in a record label, like a Kanye West. Mm-hmm. The artist is paying for 20 other artists. You know, so that's why the record deal, the, the, the record labels do those type of deals, because you have this one artist, like a little baby, who will pay for all these other artists that they're trying to break, that trying to break the song or break an artist, they're using that revenue to break these artists, which is a smart business model. But a lot of artists is realizing, I can get this by myself, I can get this on my own. Let's say like a Glorilla, right? Let's let's mm-hmm. use her example. Sure. Do I think she should have signed to Yo Gotti and CMG? No, because where her song was, just by booking her own shows alone, she probably would have made more money than she is now. Now, I'm pretty sure she's packing out shows. She's She's been taking care of. Shout out to Yo Gotti. He does his thing. His whole team over there is lit. I respect him. But mm-hmm. if you take her situation, she should have started booking first. And, and I listened to her story where she turned a producer was going back and forth. They were going to record labels. They were pitching. Uh, they were trying to get a deal. That's not where they should have started. The song was already hot. You should have started booking your shows. Once you start booking your shows and you start making that $30,000, $40,000 bag per night, then it goes up to sixty-seven, maybe $100,000 bag a night. Next time you go in, if you do want a record deal, now you got leverage. You're like, hey, I'm making a hundred grand a show. Then y'all trying to give me the nine hundred thousand dollar bonus or a, a sign on? No, no, I need I need five mil, and I want to keep my performance rights. So these independent artists they need to realize sometimes that record deal initially might not be the best thing for you. You might need to take your chances because if they're looking at you and they want you, you got a song that's popular, is blowing up, is on Spotify playlist. You might need to kind of take a deep breath. Take a deep breath, relax. Because whatever you're doing, it's working. So what I would say, try to book a show first. However that goes, then you might have leverage. 
but some people they might just they might be struggling and they they see that bag and they be like, nah, let me let me go ahead and sign. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and I think a lot of that speaks to the artist's intentions on what they want out of the music industry. Do you want to build a long-lasting, you know, imprint for yourself? Do you want to build your own label, build your own business, build something that's going to create revenue for you in your sleep, even when you don't feel like rapping? Or are you trying to jump in, get a quick bag while you hot, you, you know, max out those viral numbers while you, you know, popping on TikTok this week and, you know, throw a song out there, grab a bag and hit it? Yeah. You know, I guess it all speaks to what you want to get from the industry and what you can finesse for yourself while you're here. Um, it's definitely an interesting conversation to have because I think that some people, if you look at what they're trying to do in the industry, don't even need to be doing as much as they're doing because it's like you don't even plan on being here that long. <laughs> like, you don't even plan on being here for two years. Like, go ahead and max out on your viral TikTok and going on about your business. You don't got to sign a deal for all that. Go ahead and just get you a manager, book your shows, book your things, da-da-da-da-da, and going on about your business. Like, you don't got to do all that. Because they normally, those type of people normally end up in the red. They start, they end up in the red, they end up in Owen labels, can't yeah. recoup, now you stuck. And you walk around here looking like Ned in the face because you got a two hundred thousand dollar chain on and you five hundred thousand dollars in debt to your label. Yeah, and then years down the line, you might you might try to go solo and the song blow up and they like, uh, no, we on the right. <laughs> yeah, so it it depends, man. Because to me, it's hard to tell someone. You know how hard it is to tell someone who's on TikTok that has a song and it blows up and uh, a record label say, hey, we're going to do this for you. Dude, I mean, it's hard for me to tell them not to take that. I mean, it's really hard. I mean, considering some of these some of these kids as college students, some of them probably living in really bad conditions, but they on TikTok every day. They got a brand. They got a face. They got a following. And boom, a song blow up. And now they, they rich overnight. You know, do we tell them not to not to explore or do we say, no, nah, don't do that. Don't don't take that money from the record label because they're just trying to exploit your your TikTok following, your Instagram following. They're just trying to um, capitalize on that. I, I don't know. It's 50 50 with me. I just let people be who they are. But it's certainly messing up the game. And I'm not trying to show any disrespect. But when sure. you got like Sweetie and, and artists like that, that I listen to a new album. And I, I wasn't impressed. I'm not gonna lie, but I'm just like, rap is not for, for everybody. It's rap not. But but people like her are people that I'm talking about. And, and you know, listen, nothing that I, that I say is of any disrespect, but it's of qualify. Like like they're informed opinion. At the end of the day, you can tell when somebody is serious about music and when they're not. Sweetie is not serious about music and it shows. We all see that. Her music has gotten worse as she's been out because oh, yeah. she's because she's genre hopping, she's trend hopping, she's trying to do whatever's popping right now. And so whoever get a hot song, she's just chasing whatever Doja's chasing. Like 
<laughs> like Doja rapping, so she gonna rap. Doja singing this week, she gonna sing. She doing pop this week, I'm gonna do pop. Doja doing an up-tempo, we gonna do an up-tempo. It seems like she's following every trend that Doja hops on, but nobody's having that conversation yet, so I kind of been keeping that to myself. Ooh. Oh yeah, but it's but, that Doja's pretty decent to me. Um, Doja's not, incredible, but I think Doja's an actual artist who put no, actual yeah. work into her music. I think Sweetie is someone who happens to have a have a good delivery and have enough talent to carry a song. But I think she is what it is. Like it's pretty bitch music. Like, <laughs> like she like she's not here for rap. She's not here to do music, and we can tell because her music consistently gets worse because she can't pick a lane and stick to it. Like, it's not even like you have an established sound and you're trying different things just to explore sounds and like broaden your space. It's like you came in doing remix. We love samples. We love Too Short. Shout out to Too Short. Shout out to all the people that she does sample. Kaya, all the girls. Shout out to all y'all. But how many how many sweetie songs do you like with original music? Yeah, outside of uh, Nicki Minaj, uh, I really don't listen to a lot of female artists. I listen to a lot of old female artists, like a, a Missy Elliott, a Eve. Um, Absolutely. You know, I, I listen to a lot of those Lil Kims. I like old school rap period. I don't listen to a lot of new rap. Although I am a rapper, I don't listen to rap at all like that, really. I'm an R&B kind of guy. Like, I listen to R&B. I, I, like, my artist is like Lloyd, uh, Chris Brown, Vito, um, uh, uh, Billinger. Like, I, I listen to R&B. And to any artist, I mean, to each his own, but for me, it keeps my ear fresh when I'm listening to R&B. And it also helps with your writing structure as a rapper because you're not always listening to the T Grizzlies, the Lil Durks, the Lil Babies, the Drakes, the Waynes. And you, you're constantly consuming this rap, consuming this rap. So whenever you, it's time for you to go write your stuff, it's kind of like, what is my sound? If you have a sound. So I want my sound to be authentic. So I listen to a bunch of R&B. Um, I listen to a lot of old school R&B, uh, a lot of soul, a lot of pop. Um, and that's where my sound come from. If you listen to some of my songs, I got some hard stuff and then I got some soft stuff. And I just want to make my name on that. And like, they can listen and be like, yeah, that's a Don YC track. That's definitely Don YC. But I don't want people to listen and be like, who is that rapper? Oh, that's Don YC? Oh, no, no, that ain't, that can't be him. But you know what my sound sound like because I'm not pulling from all these different sounds. Because I listen to a lot of independent artists too. And it sounds like they pulling from a lot of different artists. And I'm like, that don't sound right. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that's because the society or the culture of hip hop nowadays isn't based on individuality. It's based on maximizing on trends. So if a sound is popping right now, everybody has to get their record with that sound on it. And then once it burns out and somebody else comes out with, with the new sound, all of a sudden then everybody's doing that. Notice how drill music is everywhere right now. Everybody got a drill song. Everybody got a drill song. When nobody listened to drill songs five years ago. That's because of record labels. 
Thank you. They start so profiting. Yeah. yeah, it's like now all of a sudden, now y'all profiting off of, off of drill music. Five years ago, y'all was profiting off, off of twerk music. Ten years ago, y'all was profiting off, off of dance music and snap music. Like, it, it, it's like, now it's like, so what's going to be the next trend that, that like all the girls pop on, or like all, all the dudes pop on and, you know, get their record off of that song? It sucks because it does make you wonder where do the people who usher in those types of sounds get left at? Because we had like, there was a conversation that E-40 was having a while back about how like, he felt like he doesn't get the get the credit that that he deserves because people just kind of jumped on hyphy music and it just left him in the dust once it was over with. But he's still like an incredible artist. And I was like, there's a conversation to be had about that. Do these people who 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 kind of bring in these sounds feel like people maximize off of their sound and then just leave them in the dust? What does Sean Paul think about that? You know what right. I mean? Because he brought in dance hall and took it to a whole nother level. And now the dance hall is over. We don't hear nothing about Sean Paul, Sean Paul or his mohawk. The thing about that is, it's not about what the artists feel. It's about the people, the fans. And I know it's messed up, but the fans don't care about none of what we talking about as far as trends. They don't care about trends. They care about, oh, I like this song. I can dance to this. When that trend is over, it doesn't matter who the next artist is, as long as they like it, and they mamas and grandmamas can get on TikTok and they can dance to it and they can have a good time. And that's what they doing, but as artists, it, it starts with the artist, but at the end of the day, I can feel a certain way about, oh man, gangster rap with Pac, NWA, early 2000s, 50 Cent, you know, uh, G-Unit, that thing kind of left us. OMG, oh my God, I'm all bent out of shape. But there's like millions and billions of other streams of new music out now. So I can be left in the dust or I can stay with the times. So it's one of those things that it's not perfect, but it is what it is. It's the it's the environment. It's the culture we live in. You know, the same way with like um with movies, with comedy. You look at comedy. Comedy ain't what it used to be. Comedy is dying. It's not trendy to get on a comedy special and talk about the LGBT community in a negative way. Back mm -hmm. in the 90s, when you had Eddie Murphy and all of them, and they said those negative things, it was funny. They made money off of it. But the times has changed. Same way with music. And that's why I believe hip-hop will continue to grow. There were some times where we, we looked at hip-hop, where we had that little dancing moment, you know, the lean with it, rock with it, the Laffy Taffy. We had the Soldier Boy. We had that whole little era. And you had the old heads was like, man, hip-hop is going down to hip-hop. it, But then... You look at to the uh, the mid 2000s, 2009 ish, 2012. You had people like the J. Coles, the Kendrick Lamars, the Schoolboy Qs. You had the people that come and kind of rescue hip hop for a small amount of time, and then still same frame and that same gap. You start getting people like the Migos. You start getting these groups and stuff like that. So then it started trickling down, and then boom, you have the Chief Keefs, and then drill music started. So it's all about growing. It's all about adapting. Uh, do I agree with some of the music? I don't agree with drill music, but mm -hmm. it, it has its place in hip hop, unfortunately. 
um, it's something we're going to grow out of. And hopefully we grow out of it soon because we're losing a lot of brothers out here. Tell me about it. Like, I hate opening up Instagram at this point because it's like, it seems like every other day or every day it's like somebody else done passed, somebody else done died, somebody else done been shot, somebody else done been robbed, somebody else done got stabbed, somebody else done this. Like, it's, 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 it's too, it's too normalized. Like, and I, I really want this whole, uh, the whole glorification part of the negative side of hip hop to pass over. Like I'm tired of people bragging about shooting people. I'm tired of bragging about being being drug dealers. I'm pat like like I'm tired about people bragging about doing drugs. Like I'm like I'm tired about like I'm tired of people glorifying <laughs> all the that. that's like, when can we get over that? That's where it changed. You know, back in the nineties it used to be about the drug dealer. You know how the drug dealer had it. Now the rappers are saying how they are the drug addict. So it, it changed, and I don't know which one do you want to take—the one that talks I about drug dealer or the one that talk about being a drug addict. Oh, I would rather both of y'all grow the fuck up because but, we just celebrated 50 years of hip hop. Like, when's the elevation past all of that? And actually, and like, when are we gonna get to Jay Z's 444 era and start rapping about buying art and like growing as people and going to therapy and shit? That's like, that's Jay though. But where where's the middle ground between being a drug dealer and a drug addict? Uh, the drug dealer, we'll take a, a a Biggie Smalls, and a drug addict, we would take a little future. Uh, or future. Mm -hmm. If you exclude both of these artists from different generations and you look at middle artists, who, who who can you point to and say, we're gonna get behind him? Because- I think a gray area. Like even, I think a gray area. Even if you take Drake, Drake don't talk about being a drug dealer, but he talk about enough alcohol with women he talks about enough of that my middle ground is childish gambino personally but he don't want to rap no more so there you go he off doing tv so he off doing tv <laughs> like so it's like well who else do we have rhapsody y'all don't treat her right <laughs> y'all don't treat rhapsody right honey y'all don't give her a drink with an acknowledgement that that dog oh she deserves like it's a i don't know let me ask you this though what what era of music do you think was the best? And I I have an unpopular opinion. Was it the 1990s to 2000 or 2000 to 2010? Which one would you take as far as music in general? I was, is there a specific criteria or is it based on my own personal? It Based off of like R&B, hip hop, maybe you can throw a little pop in there, dance. But just off those criterias, R&B, hip hop, you know, just giving examples, 1990s, you had N.W.A., you had Jay, you had Nas, uh, you know, you I had- two answers to that question, because I feel like the quality of music was better in the 90s to the 2000s. I feel like the acknowledgement and the success was better in the 2000s to the 2010s. Um, that's not to take away from like I, I'm not saying that the music was bad in the 2000s to the two, 2010s because I feel like that was my generation's party era like that was my generation's party era that was when we got some of like that was when we got all of the freak that that was my generation's freaknik era Mine's that too. was us getting our like 
like Nelly and all of them girls, like 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 that was our Uncle Duke Freaknik era. You know what I'm saying? Well, so, but I just feel like the music that I replay the most comes from the 90s to the 2000s. Now, the music that I hear most when I go out in the public is from the 2000s to the 2010s. Right, and I, I looked at it like this. Me and my boy, Garyon Thomas. Shout out to Garyon Thomas in Houston, Texas. He's an artist. Shout out. I say the 2000s to uh, 2010s, only because I grew up in that era. Yeah, I was born in the 90s. I was born in the 90s, but I grew up in the 2000s where you had the Nellies, you had the Ludacris, and I'm not even talking about them. We talking about, this is when T.I. came out. Mm-hmm. And Jeezy, uh, Pretty Ricky had a run I've never seen before. Crazy. Uh, Chris Brown came out. Chris Brown Amazing. had some of her greatest work. Rihanna had some of her greatest work. Beyonce and Jay, and let's not forget, R. Kelly's from the 90s, but some of R. Kelly's greatest music is from the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, 2000s was really, really hot. You had Ja Rule, 50 Cent. Let's not get on Ja Rule. Ja Rule. He's my favorite male rapper. Ja Rule. Ja and Lou. Chris are the ones to me. They, they wrecked havoc. The whole, the whole crew did. And DMX. I mean, the 2000s was hot. I mean, you look at the 90s. Yeah, the 90s was great. The 90s was good. But who really ran the 90s? Pop, Biggie? Yeah, Nas and MJ towards the end. DMX, he went, uh, he had a double album. Uh, and it went really, really well. Great, actually. But I mean, if you look at 2000s, we haven't even talked about Wayne yet. We haven't even talked about Claws. Uh, we haven't even talked about a lot of these people like Soldier Boy, who who uh, revolutionized the internet. Now he was doing stuff. Kanye. I mean, the two thousands was lit. But it is. That's what I'm well, I mean, well, I mean, sure. Like I acknowledge the public, con- the public consumption of hip, uh, of hip hop. That uh, that's more so why I was saying that the reception of hip hop in the two thousands was so much better because like it was just the explosion happened right i think of, because for of me fashion. because of fashion right and for me what i'm still listening to today on a regular basis comes from what i grew up listening to like mind you i grew up in the 2000s culture so that was all fresh and new to me so all of those are like my favorites but i'm still listening to Absolutely. Ice Cube. I'm still listening to MC Light. I'm still listening to Buster's records in the 90s. I'm still listening to early Twister. I'm still listening to them today. So I don't pick one or the other. It's more so like, well, where are we listening to these records? Because if I'm in my car, I'm still listening to How Do You Want It? You know what I'm saying? But if I got the ox cord at the party, I'm playing Sweatsuit by Nelly. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so for I, me, it's more so about well, where are we playing these records at? I, I feel that. I feel that. I see what you're saying. Time and place. Um, you got any more questions for me? Um, I have plenty, but I love the conversation. So, um, in just a general sense, um, talk to me about how you came up with the stage name Don YC. 
how did we land on that? Because I didn't want to bring up your government name on this, but it's <laughs> not your government. Don is not your government. <laughs> so, without doxing you, how did we get to Don Wasi? All right. All right. I'm going to be real with this one, okay? Um, I was sitting on the steps one day um, in, a, in a hood where there's a game called the, the Boot Hills. It uh, originated in California and in Oklahoma, you got some some people out there, uh, Boot Hills and 10th Avenues and stuff like that, Prince Hall. Um, that's what neighborhood my, my twin brother is from. He's from Boot Hill. His name is C-Style. He's in prison um, and uh, he's doing some time. So we're sitting on the steps. We basically run in the neighborhood as young boys, you know, doing our thing. Um, we going into stores and stealing stuff for the older people, um, selling cigarettes by the singles. We we running stuff, and I was always making the most money out of all the young kids. I was always doing the most because I wanted to stand out. Now that got me in trouble, but uh, one point an OG came up to me. His name was Face. He's from neighborhood Crip, and he looked at me. He said, "Hey, I'm gonna name you." little competition because you always competitive you gonna outbeat everybody so i was like okay so years down the line that name transformed from little comp to young comp so when it became young comp when i was in high school everybody called me little comp young comp um it kind of morphed after i graduated in 2013 it morphed to yc instead of young they start calling me YC, YC, YC. And during that time, I was doing some things in the streets. You know, I was, you know, calling shots and people would come to me for favors. You know, I was never about that violence. Um, although I can take it there. I, I got a new song where I, I, I say a bar, if you're a black man, you can never be my opponent, but don't get it twisted. There are some niggas that deserve to get twisted, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Come up and on the block, but nobody miss them. Like, wait, but basically what I'm saying is I was that dude, but mm -hmm. I wasn't with all that black on black. I won with a, but if you needed something, I'ma fix your problem. Your man mm -hmm. is beat. I'ma get somebody on him. So then it kind of morphed into Don. So then and in this period in my life, I actually stopped rapping. So I was actually, you know, I was working a regular nine to five, but I was still dangling in the streets, still giving people loans, still people doing stuff. And, you know, it was the craziest thing because people would never pay me back. So I was just putting the bill. So that word Don came in once I started doing a lot in my community, negative and positive. So that's where that name came from. And when I went to the studio, they were telling them, you know, hey, my name Young Comp, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, all right, yeah, yeah. But then they go to my social media and everybody's calling me Don YC, Don YC. I had an engineer by the name of Jay West from Black World Order. He was like, hey man, you, you, you want to build a brand. You need to stick with one of those names. It's either Young Comp or it's Don YC. You need to stick with one because you're going to have to be able to do marketing and promo. You can't have two names. So I stuck with Don YC. Okay. Totally dig that. Now, 
if you could name one of your songs that would allow my audience to instantly get to know you, what would it be? Instantly know me. As in my style of music or know me as a person? Like, if you could, what would be the song that you would recommend to my audience to be, like, the introduction to you? Like, if we had one song that would be your first impression, what would be that record that you would tell us to listen to to be like, hey, if you want to know who Don Watsi is, listen to this one. I would go with Mama Don't Cry. Um, it's on all streaming platforms. Don Watsi, Mama Don't Cry. All my music is on all streaming platforms. But I actually have a music video to this song, Mama Don't Cry. Um, and it's talking about my upbringing and stuff like that. But that'll be the song. The next song I would say would be I'm Wrong and I'm Wrong Part Two, both of them. 1A, 1B, because on one side on Mama Don't Cry, it talks about, you know, living this way, living that way. Dad wasn't there, Mama Don't Cry. I got my gun on me. She say school in the morning, I say I'm hungry. I say mama don't cry, mama don't cry. Watch the news every night, hope the sun don't get shot. T.D. Jakes on the screen, only channel we got. And if I gotta say it now, then I love you a lot. See what I'm saying? So growing up, my mom was a single mom. She used to watch T.D. Jakes a lot. And we didn't have cable. So I, I mixed that bar to say that was the only channel we got. Not to say that was the only channel we got, but that was the only channel we could watch because we was always struggling. And my mama wanted to hear the words. She wanted that that light at the end of the tunnel. So Mama Don't Cry would explain my life a little bit. But when you start getting into some of my pop rap, I'm wrong, I'm wrong part two, when I'm talking about women, the way I've done them, the way I treated them wrong, I'm sorry, I wasn't the best man. And you put those two songs or three songs together, you kind of get an image of what type of music I make just off those three songs. But I have a nice. lot of I dig that. If you could remake a classic song or one of your favorite songs growing up, what would it be? <laughs> okay. Have you heard that song, Mr. Telephone Man? Absolutely. I got a uh, remake coming to that. Nice. I could play a snippet, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm about to, I, 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 just save it. When's the release date? It's no release date because I gotta go get the licensing for the doing the cover songs. I gotta mm -hmm. go get a license for doing the cover songs on Distro Kid, and um, that's not my main priority right now. But I'm gonna drop maybe three or four more singles in the next few weeks, and then Mr. Telephone Man remake is gonna come, and it's nothing like the original but I still have the hook and I'm kind of rapping along, but I'm putting my own sauce on it. But the verse is very rated R. Okay. Very, um, so yeah, about the next four releases, I'm gonna actually release a video of me in the studio rapping Mr. Telephone, man. It's really good, really good. Nice, I'm looking forward to it. How will your music change the industry? My music would change the industry because I'm doing things that a lot of artists is not doing. Well, you know, you have a little bit of Drake, you do a little bit of singing, you do a little. But what I do is I do a lot of harmonizing and I do a, a lot of hard rap. And when I rap, 
I make you feel like you're there. I'm not fitting the most greatest bars, greatest lyrics. I'm not doing all these metaphors. I'm I'm saying stuff that when you hear it, like, hmm, TD takes on the screen, only channel we got. And if I got to say it now, then I love you a lot. Dude talking to his mom, you know, stuff like that. You know, I remember living in a hotel, you know, mom's trying to make a way. Pops locked in prison. Murder one wasn't very safe. So I ride with my Smith and Weston, getting robbed for my weed, had to learn a lesson. Like stuff like that, people like, he getting robbed, he had a single mom. Stuff like that that's close to people that came up in urban areas and in and, 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 and backgrounds that I come from um, will be able to listen to that and be like, yeah, I hear that. And then in my music, I'm not talking about all this, I'ma shoot you in the face. I'm gonna kill this dude. I might allude to certain stuff, but it's only in the acts of don't fuck with me, I won't fuck with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't take my kindness for weakness. You know what I'm saying? Cause we all just out here trying to get it. Don't try to get one up on me and don't try to run off on me. So that's how I would change the industry. I love that. What do you think you fear most? Success or failure? My failures, my failures was um, unfortunate, but man, it, it made me stronger. You know what I mean? And I tell a lot of people, honestly, you really haven't failed until you quit. You know, if if I would have looked at my first failure, we wouldn't be having this interview. I wouldn't have did all this new music. I wouldn't have shot my music video. I wouldn't have my own studio, my own green screen, my own cameras, my own lighting. You know, I would have been given up. So do I fear the idea of fear? Yeah. Or, or, or failure? Do I fear the idea of failure? Yeah. But once you get through it, it's about how you get through it. Once you get through it, it's like, yeah, I learned from that. But no, I, I, I really don't fear a lot of stuff in this world. Um, because you only get one life. You get one life. And how you live that life, do you want to live scared or do you want to live uh, comfortable? And a lot of, oh man, humble yourself, humble yourself. For what? For your insecurities? Why does it bother you to hear me say, man, I got a promotion today. Man, I'm the best at what I do. Man, I did this, this, and that. I put this person in that position. I did this for him, did that for them. I didn't ask for nothing or nothing. And then they cut you off. Man, we don't want to hear that. Don't nobody care about that. Oh, humble yourself. Don't be confident. Like, no. Why does hearing about my success bother you? That's the definition of a hater. When I hear people say, man, I did that. Hey, man, congratulations. What can I do to help? What can I do to help you get even further? Matter of fact, I want to be a part of this. I don't even got to be the leader. I just want to ride with you, brother. You see what I'm saying? But a lot of people live their life fear and scared, not me. I don't I don't live my life like that. So to answer your question, man, I, I'm just happy I'm waking up at this point. Uh, everything that I've been through, brother in prison, older brother went to prison, daddy was in prison, my uncle died two days ago. Um, my my my, my brother Gary on Thomas, he's at his grandpa's uh funeral today in Dallas. I mean, life is too short, you know what I mean? And and do I have bad days? Yeah, but to say, you know, what do I fear and 
what scares me the most um you know i i, I don't think i can name name anything because i'm gonna keep living absolutely my condolences by the way appreciate it of course um do you think you found yourself yet um i think i'm still growing i'm always growing um but have i found myself i know i found my sound in music but on a more personal level i don't believe i found myself from a father's standpoint i want to be a better father you know that's the only thing that i really look at and say i need to be better at and i haven't found my way with being the best father that i can be um um i just need to get better at that but as far as music and and, and doing it man i found myself you know i I like my sound. I love my sound. I'm getting better. And yeah, I found myself and I'm just on a rhythm right now. I got this momentum and I'm gonna use it. But on a personal level, I can grow as a man. I can um, grow and teach myself how to treat women better, uh, treat my mother better when she calls and needs something. You know, instead of bringing up stuff from the past, like, oh, you didn't do this for me and you didn't do that for me. Maybe sometimes I need to say, mom, you did the best thing you could. You did the best you could. I know you need a little help, here you go. You know, I can grow as a man um, and, and find myself as a man. But musically, I think I got it down pat. I love that. So what does the man that you've become today tell your younger self in retrospect? What do you tell, what does Don YC today tell yourself at five years old? There's two things. Um, the first, take r- accountability of everything that you do. Responsible, even if it wasn't your fault. If you go into a situation, and this is me telling my youngest self, if you go into a situation and it don't work out the way you want it to work, and it was because of somebody else or even you, you got to look at it. What did I do wrong? How could I have made this entire situation better? That's what I would tell my younger self. My younger self was always, man, y'all messing up. You didn't do this right. You didn't do that right. But I never looked at myself and said, what What did I do? What could I have done? The second thing, and this is music. Um, don't get a management team too early. Uh, <laughs> number two, learn the business of music. Learn what is the average cost for a manager normally 10 percent if it's really a really good manager industry manager they may ask for more than 10 percent um get a lawyer even if it's not your lawyer pay someone to look over your contracts number three learn ASCAP learn BMI learn how to publish your own music learn the difference between what is leasing what is ownership and exclusive um learn all this music learn the music business before you want to go out into this world and do music because i have young artists come to me every day since we've been on the stream blowing me up a feature this feature that can we do this can we do that absolutely i don't charge for features let's do the song let's i i can write for days but then it gets to a point where hey what's your ipi number what is that you don't know what IPI, okay, this is how you get paid. This is how you get your royalties. This is what you do. This is how we're going to distribute it. Oh, I don't got that set up. You know what I'm saying? So these young artists, they need to understand, you got to learn the business first. 
you gotta do what works for you. And I was having an argument with my buddy because he's young, you know, he's talking about, oh, but you're doing this and you're doing, you leasing your beats and doing that. I'm saying, yeah, I'm doing unlimited leasing. I mean, I got unlimited streaming abilities. If I was to go to the exclusive route, let's let's look at the cost. We're looking at buying a beat for about a thousand dollars, five hundred. If the if the uh, if the producer's really good, you're looking at fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars just to get the exclusive rights. Now we haven't even gotten to the recording cost. We haven't even gotten to the mixing and mastering cost. People just don't understand that aspect. For one song, you already looking at about three to four thousand dollars just getting a song and making it four thousand then you need a cover art you need to push it to distro kid or united masters or whoever you go through uh tune core whatever right you got to pay for that fee then you got to get the cover art you got to pay somebody for that or you got to know how to do it you need a music video and then what else do you need you need marketing and promo you gotta pay for promo. You gotta pay for campaign. We're talking about one song. One mm -hmm. song. And I always tell artists, I do what I do because it works for me. Do what's best for you and work for you. If you wanna go buy a $1,500, $2,000 beat and wait six months just to start promoting it, then I'll be it. Or I can do what I do. I do my leasing. I, I, I get what I get out of the song. It's unlimited. Whenever the contract's up in a year, two years, I go back and I pay that $35. If the song blows up, granted, the producer, he have more leverage. He see that the song's blowing up. He might say, hey, I want 50,000 for this. I'ma give it to him. But that's mm -hmm. the risk I have to take. And that's the risk I'm willing to, willing to take right now. Mm -hmm. I want the upfront organic growth. That's what I want. So I tell, I would tell my younger self, learn the business learn it you need to know the business nice. now what do you think what do you think your stamp on the music industry is going to be in the long haul my stamp mm -hmm. i don't know i think the stamp would be look at this kid out of Oklahoma, out of the Midwest, someone who's never did it out of Oklahoma on a major platform, all social medias, doing his thing. He's the king of the Midwest. I want to be the king of the Midwest. I, I want it, I want it to be known that I'm the king of the Midwest. We haven't had an artist really in the Midwest for a long time to really just Mainstream, like I'm, when I say mainstream, I'm like Drake, Wayne, Nicki, you know, that's what kind of stamp I want to put on the industry. This guy is the king of the Midwest and we didn't see him coming. That's what I want to put a stamp on the industry. What keeps you up at night? Um, I work a lot of hours that keep me up at night. Um, <laughs> What keeps me up at night, and this is what I would tell other artists, is every song that you make. I want, if y'all didn't take nothing 
from this, from this interview, take this. Not every song is not going to be a hit. Every song is not going to be a hit. When you're making an EP, LP, mixtape, album, whatever, you want to put your best foot forward, but you also need to understand that there are going to be songs on the album that they're just there. They might be such and such like that song, such and such like. There's a good amount of people that like that song, but your hit song, we already know a lot of people love it because it's a hit. But you still need those songs that even if it's not the best song in the world, you need to understand that it's not a hit and you need to get your point across, but you need to get your point across to your core fan base, not the mainstream fan base, your core fan base. That's why when you look at artists like Papoose, you look at artists like Sauce Walker, you look at those kind of artists, they got really good songs on the albums, but from song to song, they are talking to their core organic fan base who really wants to listen to them. Those are the songs that attract that core base. They might have a few songs on there that's mainstream, but that's what keep me up at night is I might do a song and I'm like, man, uh, really didn't do a good job on that song, man. And I'm stressing about this song. Don't stress about that song, move on. Keep writing, keep writing, keep writing. You might even get in a slump where you write the next five songs you do, you just like, man, damn, am I not meant for this? No, just keep doing it. That is what keeps me up at night. And I got to fix that. Totally agree with that. Uh, yeah. I, me being a perfectionist, I completely relate to that. <laughs> completely relate to that. Is there anything that you want to share with my audience and I that I didn't cover in our conversation today? Um, yeah, I mean, I have a new album coming late June, uh, NKOS, New Kid Old School, uh, kind of like what we talked about, that that 1990s, the 2000s. You know, I'm, I'm a new kid, but I got an old school sound. You know, some of my songs on this new album, you're going to listen to it and be like, damn, is that, man, that sound like a, a LL kind of flow, but it's my sound. So it's kind of like, no, nah, that ain't LL. That's Don Juan Z. Because LL wouldn't have said that. LL wouldn't have did this. Ice Cube wouldn't have did that. Ice Cube wouldn't have did that. There's only one person that can make that sound. That's Don Juan Z. So that's why I call it new kid, old school. Because I'm a new kid, but I'm old school. So um, this album is going to be really, really good. And I will tell you this, in between that time, I'm dropping singles and I will drop a mixtape because I'm not that foolish to, I'm not Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> no, I can't wait five years and then do it now. I can't do that. I'm not calling nobody. I'm, I'm not in that realm. But I will say I can't not be dropping music in this time. You know, you look at it, it's what, February? This is a great time for any artist. Because from February until May, you got that time to really be making your music, making your music, making your music. Summertime comes to start doing mass promo, putting all your little money towards, I don't care if you work for UPS, Walmart, you pushing baskets. You need to be making music and you need to be saving money. When the summertime comes, 
you need to start promoting your music and putting every single dollar you got. And I would tell, uh, uh, I would say this, this last thing is, there was times I went broke. There was times where I was like, man, do I wanna, do I wanna pay this light bill? Or do I wanna make a payment arrangement? I pay it next week, but this week, I'm gonna use that 120, that 130, and I'm gonna do a Facebook campaign. Boom, 2,000 views on one of my promo videos. All organic. Yeah, I was late on my on my bill, but my lights didn't get cut off. But then between that week, I'm not saying I live in paycheck to paycheck, but when you are an independent artist, I got rent, I got lights, I got water, I got car, I got insurance, I got life insurance, I got health insurance for my daughter, like all this stuff I gotta pay, I'm not rich yet. So I still have to balance. If I didn't have music, I'd be balling right now. But my music is everything to me. I put a lot of money in my music. And I would tell that young artist that's listening to me right now, there are gonna be times that I, that higher calling of somebody up above is gonna test you. It's gonna be feeling like somebody's, like, man, is this a test? Is this a test? You and, you, and you start seeing great results. I didn't did songs with uh, some dude named Lucci Guns out of Arizona. He set to drop that. Dude had a really good fan base. I'm waiting on that. Uh, another future with a guy up in Houston uh, named Bam Bam. I mean, these opportunities come to me because I spend this money and people are able to see me. It was the same way you were able to see me. You know, it was probably from a from an ad right mm -hmm. so that's all i'm doing is putting my money towards it and i'm gonna tell artists this you don't have to put a lot of money behind this stuff just be consistent ten dollars here ten dollars there and damn you might have one week where you're like man i got it like that i'm gonna put eighty dollars eighty dollars gonna be my budget and i'm gonna put it towards these two songs right here and i'm gonna promote behind it but that's where i'm gonna leave that at that's all i had to add extra of that so in closing what is next for you and where can the people find you and all of the things that you want to promote coming up um where you can find me is don yc music facebook facebook don yc uh instagram uh don yc underscore nc um i'm on all spotify apple music boom play um, I'm on all major platforms. Well, um, what's next for me is continuing to grow, making music. Uh, I'm actually, once we get off of here, I'm about to record two songs and I'm actually gonna drop probably two of those in the next few days. I really don't wanna drop it on a Monday, so it might come like next Friday to tell you the truth. Um, but I will tell you this, what's next for me, I have a song and I'm gonna give y'all a sneak peek. <laughs> It's called eviction. And this is where I think my career is gonna take a turn is I'm putting every single artist in the Midwest area, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Missouri, Kansas, everybody in this area, you're getting evicted. There's a new king in town and it's me. And this song is some of the best lyrics I've ever written. So that's what's coming next. That's what's coming down the pipeline. And best believe, I am going to promote the shit out of this song. I'm gonna put everything <laughs> I have in this song. I am looking forward to that. That is awesome. 
Congratulations Ooh. on everything. Thank you. Of course. Now, on that note, children, I'm going to let Mr. YC go. I'm sure he has things to do, songs to record, checks to cash, things to do, plaques to hang. <laughs> but I appreciate every single one of you guys for tuning in to help me to facilitate this, this conversation. And I want to extend a special, special thank you to my guest, Don YC, for blessing the pod today. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you. Absolutely. This has been an incredible conversation. Um, I've been loving having more hip hop oriented conversations. So this has been a great one for me. I really appreciate it. Feel free to come back anytime. Once a new song drops, new project drops, once you start passing out eviction notices, come back and let me know. <laughs> I will. And uh, whenever you drop this uh, this episode, this podcast, just you got my cell number in the email. Both emails work. Uh, just email let me know i i help you do some promos thank you so much um the episode is actually coming out march 2nd okay okay i'll be looking for it please thank you so much now with that being said i want to remind all of you guys listening to be real stay in reality and always always bring the realness i am brian k james this has been real reality realness and until next time, I love every single one of you guys from the bottom of my green heart emoji. Keep the mess in the message and misbehave yourselves. Peace. Bye, guys. going on everybody brian k james here and i'm so excited to let you know that this podcast is being brought to you in part by outlander media network outlander's mission is to bring you the most exclusive alternative content from across the web from the farthest reaches invading your space we appreciate every single one of you guys for tuning in and never want you to forget to embrace your inner outlander I am Brian K. James, and this is Real Reality Realness.